Welcome back to WNST, Towson, Baltimore, and Baltimore Positive. We are at Union Brewing. We got friends around us. Last time this guy was on, millions of hits later, I'm sure. It is restaurant week around here. I want to remind everybody all over the state, back when this guy worked for Mr. O'Malley, uh, the, the restaurant. Hey, that's, that's Governor O'Malley. Governor yeah. O'Malley. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, restaurant week all over the state. Make sure you take care of that. Goodwill. And win donation and our friends at the Maryland Lottery. These are the new Raven scratch-offs. I'm giving these away here as well. I've had a day, man. I've worn a purple felt Fu Manchu from the guy who actually brought the purple Fu Manchus out 10 years ago, Nick Shulman, who uh, owns the local Oyster. We're here with Adam Benish. And Matt Gallagher is our, uh, our next. What, what do I say about you? Uh, Goldsecker Foundation. Uh, what do I say? Anything else? Because you've got this long, you've done a lot of things. What, what, yeah, I mean, mayor's office, governor's office, born and raised in Baltimore. So Foodie. Know, been around. Yeah, foodie. Pearl Jam fan. Huge. God, what a week. They were phenomenal in Philadelphia. Dude, make me feel bad because, like, nah, look, I know I you've seen the them mojo. a lot. I know you had, you, you've been up to Canada, you've seen them a lot lately. I, I saw them, well, the Oakland tickets I had, like, you had the Baltimore tickets, right? Yep, I did. And because of the arena thing, it didn't happen. So I sat on those Oakland tickets for two years. I was in the car with my wife on a snowy night back in February. It didn't snow much, but it was a cold night. And I looked down on my phone. I'm like, oh, my God, Pearl Jam announced the dates. I wonder when they're playing these Oakland shows that I've been sitting on for two years. And it was like in May, and it wasn't a good time, and it wasn't. But I'm like, I got the tickets. I'm going to go. It's Pearl Jam. I'm going to do it. And I went out, and then Cameron got covid they had a session musician playing drums the first night. Yep. Second night, they brought a 15-year-old kid in from Marin County that Eddie Vedder's daughter likes his band. And they had him do a couple of songs. But they were doing, like, greatest hits those nights because they, they just had to play yeah, with the drum to play. Got to right? do what you got to do. So then I see all the set lists in Europe, and I didn't get to – I got to Europe. I booked, I booked my Europe trip to see Pearl Jam on June 14th in Amsterdam and the Stones on June 15th. The morning after I booked it, Pearl Jam moved the show from the first leg of the tour to the last and mm. end of the tour. So they weren't playing Amsterdam. Fly to Amsterdam. Everybody gets sick on the trip but me. And then Mick got COVID at 6 o'clock while I was sitting in an Irish bar two hours before showtime. So Snake the, bitten. Right. The Pearl Jam thing for me, I got to Ottawa. I got to Quebec. They were great. And I just couldn't pull the trigger on driving to Philly, and I know I, I effed up. I mean, tell me how great it was. All the 10 I, songs. 20th I mean, like, row, closest I've ever been to the stage, uh, you know, with my ride or die from grade school. I mean, it couldn't have been a better night. McCready just Oh, my God. They, they crushed it. it they absolutely crushed it. Eddie said it was the biggest live crowd they'd played for on this tour, and, like, we turned around, and all it was was, like, a sea of heads, you know, and just everybody was raging. It was a, I mean, top five show Without a doubt. Were you at the 10 show at the Spectrum a couple years ago when they did well, that? Well, the Spectrum was down. I think it was 2016 was the last they time did they the went to Philly. They did the 10 show Yeah, up they there. did two nights. I was there. Um, it was that I level. had a ticket for that 10 show, and yeah. I didn't go that night. Next time. I saw him up in... I knew I was going to... It was such a beautiful night outside, yeah. too. He crushed like, it in New York earlier this year at the Beacon. Yeah, yeah. Got tickets at the Beacon. I mean, it's a must-do. Do you prefer Eddie Solo or do you prefer Pearl Jam? Oh, no, I'd much Pearl rather Jam. see Pearl Jam. But right. if my choice is no Pearl Jam, no concert, or Eddie Vedder Solo, sign me up for the Solo show. So about three weeks before my wife got cancer in 2014, we went over to Australia and to Fiji 
Fiji Air had a cheap flight. That's why we did it. So we, we saw Bruce in Brisbane. And I know Nils Lofgren because he's a Silver Spring guy. And I have... It's not backstage pass. It's like a lounge thing. Yeah. Sometimes the guys come in at 6.30. Sometimes they don't. I usually don't want to be in the arena at 6.30. I want to be out in the car having a beer. Like, I'm not a get into the arena early yeah. enough to go there to rub elbows with Nils, who's always, like, fr- frantic. Like, Bruce comes up and says, we're playing Kitty's Back tonight. It's a 14-minute song. We haven't played it since 1978. Learn it. Yeah, man. You know, that's the way the band is, right? They're on the clock. So yeah, I'm, come on. I'm backstage in Brisbane. I don't know why we went in early, but I think Niels hit us and said, I'm going to be in there tonight. Stop by. This is when um, Morello's in the band, mm-hmm. okay? This is when Jake is playing sax for Clarence because Clarence is lost. And we got backstage. I saw Niels quickly. And I wound up in this long conversation with Jake Clemens, and he kept saying to me, we're going to do some special stuff tonight. I know you travel, but we're going to do some special stuff tonight. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I look out of the corner of my eye, and Eddie Vedder's in the corner of the room. And he's like, man, we've been surfing all day. I was late oh, to wow. sound check. I've been surfing with Eddie, Bruce. We've all been out surfing. He's like, and Bruce wants to do something tonight that like we're all pissing ourselves about. And I'm like... Okay. There you go. They played The Wild, The Innocent that night, cover to cover, never been done, but nobody in the crowd knew any of the songs, like, right? And after they did it, they did a version of Spirit in the Night, and I'm in the pit against the barrier in the back of the pit, away from the stage, and Eddie Vedder's on the other side of the pit, like where the wall is. And Bruce comes out and does this thing where he just sits there under the spotlight mm-hmm. singing, me and Crazy Day, making love in the dirt. And Eddie Vedder, and I have a video of this, is tearing up. Wow. At the feet of Bruce Springsteen in this little arena in Australia doing Spirit Night. And Eddie Vedder was like the biggest fanboy yeah, I've ever seen for Bruce. And an hour later, he's on stage doing, um, uh, they did uh, Back in Black. Or no, they, they did Back in Black. They did an Australian song. So, like, I have this Vetter thing, and I've never talked to him, met him. I've been in a pit with him in Vancouver seeing the police reunite one night. But, like, the Vetter thing, there's a, a mystique. He might, Bono, he might Jagger, but he's, like, becoming, 15 years from now, they'll be the only band you and I can still go see. I, I'm with you. Look, that's I how mean, I feel they about got, Project. You know, 10 was when I was in college. I mean, like, that's, that's my era. And, uh, I love verses. Oh, it's, it's all good. And, I mean, I'll go anywhere, anytime to see those guys. You're making me really feel good. I knew you I'm were going to do this, man. man. I'm I sorry, man. I'm sorry. Look, you know, just, it, hey, you got the, what, you saw them twice in Canada? I saw them twice last week. I just okay, couldn't so, get look, in the car. On. Think about all the, like, the literally millions of people who are jilted that they didn't get a chance to see Pearl Jam on this tour. So just I'm lean at, in and be happy about I your two shows. I drove eight hours to, to do Quebec in the middle of the night. But, but you couldn't drive loose. two hours to Philly? All right. Oh, see? Maybe you're not much see? of a fan. Maybe you're not see? much of a fan. Matt That's okay. So I, I bring you around. I don't even know why I brought you around. Tell everybody what you do at Goldsecker. Do, the, do the, the elevator speech for how important foundations are in this city and how ish gets done because of... Rich, old, old people from generations ago that left money for people like you to make sure we're trying to make the city better, and it's not yep. an easy job. So there was a guy named Morris Goldsecker who passed away in 1973, 
had no immediate family, no heirs. He left all of his fortune to create a foundation. That's incredible. It was 11 million back in 1973. It's grown to about 165, 155 million right about now because it's been a rough couple of weeks in the market. <laughs> um, and in that interim period, those 47 years, we've given away $120 million. So we manage That's it. That's literally what Mr. Goldsecker would have wanted yep. done with that money. So right, there, there are 600 organizations across the Baltimore metropolitan area, almost all of them Baltimore City, that have benefited from that decision back in the early 1970s. So, you know, a couple of blocks from here, there are some amazing grantees that are literally in warehouse space right across the street. Share Baby, leveling the playing field. You know, these organizations... What do they do? That, so Share Baby collects uh, baby supplies for new mothers stocks these cupboards all over the city so if you need diapers strollers you know bottles all we that had a type formula of stuff. thing for a long we, yeah, we did we did here, right? they are phenomenal that'd be another great place to take your show someday um, and there's a whole host of nonprofits that are in warehouse space right across the street another one's leveling the playing field and if you're a coach anywhere in the city you know working with kids football baseball soccer whatever you can go to leveling the playing field. You can pick up free, like gently used uh, sporting goods and sporting supplies. So soccer balls, footballs, pads, spikes, etc. So kids and families that have trouble kind of paying for that type of stuff, the coach, the school can go by, pick that stuff up, distribute it to the team. It's a it's a life. People come to you, and you like literally. You're not a rich guy, but you represent money. People come to you and say, "I need help." What what does that represent in your place, like? If somebody out here has an idea, I don't, it could be anything, right? Yep. Like these ideas you just gave, which sound like wonderful ideas, but yeah. they are literally a man or a woman seeing a need and being like literally their soul. Yep. Like literally these are good deeds and good acts that are important and there's money here. How does that money, how does that happen? What, what, what is, when's the first person from one of these companies come to you five, ten years ago, or the person even before you were in this role, and say, we're a real thing helping real people. Get us some gold sector yeah. back. So none of them are companies. They are all nonprofit organizations. Fair enough. 501c3s. In some cases, it might be a startup. It might be somebody who is so early in their journey, in their work, that they don't even have a 501c3 yet, like a nonprofit designation. So they partner with a nonprofit they go out, they raise money, they get grants, they go to their friends and families who make donations. They come and see us, they give us a proposal. If they're doing good work in Baltimore City and we think that like, they can move the needle in terms of a service impact or systemic change, we fund them. We might fund them for a year, we might fund them for 20 years, it just depends. We fund individual startup, brand new nonprofits, one person, one idea, doing big, important things. And then we fund organizations all the way up to Morgan State University. We're the largest private uh, philanthropic donor to Morgan and all of their scholarship programs for graduate students. So if you know a graduate student who graduated from Morgan State University, chances are they had a gold sector scholarship. Amazing. Matt Gallagher's here. We're at Union Brewing. He lives in the neighborhood. I, you know, I, I invited some other friends down. We'll get Greg Nivens on at some point, talk about his Pit Beef Festival. Uh, I, I invited Ooh, Arsh what? over earlier from Cross Keys. Uh, so we had some people. Uh, Odette Ramos was going to stop by. Um, I, it's a little late in the day. I ran into her uh, down in Ocean City, so we're going to get her out for a vegan crab cake at some point. Um, the, 
the lay of the politics of the state. I had Wes Moore on two weeks ago. Uh, I, you know, I, I had Pam Wood out. We were talking about I'm going to have Barry Glassman out real soon and, and, and Brooke Learman. Yeah. The, these next six or eight weeks. <laughs> oh, Steve Harvey. Bring him in here. That's good. I feel like, uh, yeah, thank you. Like the family feud. These next six or eight weeks in regard. I don't know if I could do this seriously. I'm trying. In regard to people voting and in regard to the, the notion that Cox can't win, right? It's, it's the strangest election, right, for Maryland in a purple place. And I'll put Steve away. Okay. But um, come get Steve Harvey. I'm trying to talk serious business here with a serious guy. Um, th- this is a weird thing. And I talked to, to Wes about this because Democrats and Republicans at this time, whether it was Kathleen Kennedy Townsend and Bob Ehrlich 20 years ago when I made the mistake of telling Bob Ehrlich that I was going to support him. But this crossover of Democrats, Republicans, and how many Democrats voted for Larry Hogan, there's not even a thought that that's going to happen. I think that's dangerous unto itself. And I've driven the whole state the last 30 days, right? Like seeing Cox banners and seeing remnants of Trump and Hogan and whatever. But the notion that this is just a layup for the Democrats in the state right now, that's troublesome for me. I mean, I, I would never call it a layup. And, you know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you run hard, you run all the way through the line. I think that there is a very, very, very likely outcome come election day. Well, you um, live in that world. I mean, I, you, you, I mean, I used to. I dabble, you know. No, but you live in the world of path to victory. Who, who's really going to vote for you on that day, on that week, and mail that in? And it, it feels so predetermined this time around, you know, my team, quite frankly, because I don't want that, that lunatic running the state. But then you see these lunatics in Florida and Texas and wonder, how did that happen? You know, how, how do we get immigrants in, 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 in Martha's Vineyard this week? This is a, an ideology that's out there that I think is worthy of debate. I mean, I, it's a shame that Andy Harris doesn't want to get on a stage with, with Heather Mazur at this point because he thinks it's in the bag that he doesn't have to, to, yeah, to I run Yeah, I mean, you off, always right? want a robust contest of ideas. And I would just be grateful that we are not dealing with the same type of thing that they're dealing with in Florida and in Texas. Um, we're, a, we're a progressive state. We have a record of uh, electing highly qualified people who are very committed to kind of maintaining Maryland as a great place to live, work, raise a family. And my hope would be that that's what the future for Maryland holds. Um, and we'll see in a couple of months. But I feel good. I feel excited. I think uh, there's a really a huge opportunity to elect good, very effective government that cares a lot about Baltimore. And I think that's something that's going to be very, very beneficial for the city. For, for Wes, you know Wes? I do. How do you know Wes? How long have you known Wes? Um, you know, so Wes, I've known probably for more than a decade. Okay. And he uh, helped co-found an organization called Baltimore Corps here in Maryland that uh, I'm very fortunate to be the board chair of right now. And Baltimore Corps works with, um, you know, populations that typically have had a tough time breaking into leadership opportunities, whether it's in the public, private, or nonprofit sector. And, um, you know, Wes, who I know personally, hey, look, you know, there's the Goldsecker Foundation, and that's the work that I do, and it's 100% nonpartisan, and I am nonpartisan here. But he's a great guy. He's done phenomenal things. Um, I think he brings a great energy to what's going on. And he knows Baltimore City. And uh, that's a good thing. 
Well, I mean, you were so connected to government. Matt Gallagher's our guest, a, a longtime uh, mayor's office, work with uh, Governor O'Malley, Mr. O'Malley's, I'd say. Um, being from the outside, where, where's the benefit in that, that Wes has done so many of these things? But, you know, it wasn't the county councilman. It wasn't the, you know, the deputy mayor. It didn't go that route that you would say there's something about knowing being inside a government. Something you would say to me when I wanted to run for mayor, right? Like, the things you don't know in, in regard to Wes. I would say having this in the bag, but he's going to be the next governor. I refer to him as that way, and that's not my vote. That's just where we are, which is the weirdest part of doing this for six. I wish we were talking about ideologies and elections. I think we're talking about how can Westmore affect change in the state, and what will it mean that he's never been an elected official, right? I mean, this is, a, this is strange unto itself, yeah, for our state especially. He ran a phenomenal primary campaign against probably one of the most talented fields of people who've ever run, you know, in a Democratic primary before, and he prevailed. And he doesn't have a lot of public sector experience, but he's been a CEO, he's had a lot of diverse leadership experience, he's got the military record, he's been a CEO of a startup, he's been a CEO of a foundation, he's been around very, very large and significant issues. There are a lot of paths one can take to be a successful public sector leader, and a big part of it is building coalitions, generating excitement you know, among an electorate, and being a Pied Piper who attracts really passionate, accomplished people to work on important ideas, whether it's public health, whether it's public education, whether it's public safety. And as somebody who cares deeply about the city, and I live here, I was born here, and all my work is within kind of the lines of Baltimore City, you want leadership at the local, state, and federal level that knows the city, cares about the city, and understands how important it is that all of those levels of government have to work together if you want to be successful. Because we got challenges here. We've got economic challenges. We've got public safety challenges. And you can hold a mayor or a police commissioner accountable for crime, but they can only make so much progress unless the state is doing an effective job of monitoring you know, clients who are on parole and probation. And that's kind of their piece of the public safety puzzle. And then you got to be able to work with your federal delegation and the U.S. Department of Justice so that you can bring those resources to bear as well. And I think, you know, I think if we have somebody in Annapolis in the governor's mansion who understands these issues, has the ability to bring people together, to work together, that there's going to be enormous potential for benefits to accrue to Baltimore. Well, look, man, you've got this long history of Baltimore. We could talk about... Uh, talk about anything you want. Well, the, the notion that you could have run for mayor, and you, if you were the mayor today, and how things... Been, if you were the mayor today, and Larry Hogan's in Annapolis, that's different than Westmore being in Annapolis. So where's the benefit for... Brandon is the mayor, you as the citizen, me as a person that's vested in this, and in the, we're standing in the city right now, Adam running a business in the city. How can this be different? And, you know, what's the damage that's been done from eight years of Larry Hogan in regard to the city and in regard to turning a light on in January and saying, okay, we have a pro-Baltimore governor there. What's the real hope for the first, I don't know, 24 months that changes would and I don't just mean the murder number or what Fox 45 is covering up on the hill up here, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like, what can Wes really do? I mean, you know more about this than anybody, which is one of the great reasons I have you here today. So very, very quickly, and not about personalities, but let's just make it about opportunity. You know, every year for the last seven years, I think there's been 300-plus homicides and twice as many non-fatal shootings. 
all of those victims and suspects, if you look at the universe of those thousand plus people every year, about a third of them, 35% of them, are under state supervision for parole or probation, meaning the state has some role to play in managing that population from sending them the drug treatment to making sure that they're in job training. Oh, a third of the people getting murdered are Or who are suspects. Or suspects. Yeah, in homicide okay, and non-fatal shooting okay. are under state supervision, meaning parole or they're probation. They're in the program somehow. They're in the program somehow, okay. from electronic monitoring to home detention to you got to show up at your parole and probation agent every two or three days. And if the state does a really good job of managing that population, and managing that population means... Hey, are you compliant? Are you, are you in drug treatment? Are you at your job? Are you where you need to be when you're supposed to be there? If you do a really, really great job with that one-third of those people, suddenly your homicides and non-fatal shootings go down. And look, crime is a very, very persistent problem in the city, but you're talking about 300-plus homicides. There's 365 days in a year. You're basically looking for one needle in a haystack every single day on average, and you got to maximize everything you can do to prevent two kind of people coming together and having a horrible outcome. And if you're managing the population that is most at risk to have that bad outcome, you are really doing the most you can do to reduce homicides and non-fatal shootings in the city. And if you're Wes Moore or if you're whoever the next governor is and you wake up every single morning and say, I want to do everything I can to drive crime down in Baltimore, you orient the state government to say, did I had an opportunity to intervene in this person's life? What can I do to extend hours at this site so somebody is occupied and busy and getting better as opposed to being put in a position where they might make a bad decision? And if we can get everybody kind of rowing in the same direction in that guard, that's juvenile services, that's parole and probation, sharing information with Baltimore City Police, being able to focus on the most at-risk people then you have huge opportunities to drive down violent crime. And, you know, when people say it's always been this way, it hasn't always been this way. From two, you know, 1990 to 1999, you had 300 plus homicides. From 2000 to 2014, you had less than 300 homicides for 15 straight years. One year, you had less than 200 homicides. And we're back on a bad track right now. And that's not less bad people on the streets or less jobs on the street or more drugs on the street or more criminals on the street. That's just... The state doing a better job. Absolutely. It's the state. It's the city. It's everybody working together. It's everybody pulling in the same direction. And whatever your political persuasion, I think it's really, really hard to argue that everybody's been pulling in the same direction for the last couple of years. And specific to the city, even beyond public safety, you know, when, when the governor I worked for left office, we had plans in place for the Purple Line and Red Line, multi-billion dollar transformational projects. The one in the D.C. You know, suburbs is going forward. The one in Baltimore got ended. We had a billion-dollar project going on at State Center. It got canceled. There were opportunities that were lost over these last couple of years because priorities were different. The focus was different. And now I think we have an opportunity really nice to get back in Really nice circles at Western Maryland, though. I've seen them. Really nice. Look, you know, when people get elected, they make decisions, and they have different priorities. And that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. You know what? We sat with Hogan last year, and... Listen, I voted for him once, right? So, like, I'm not anti-Larry or anti-Republican. I certainly didn't have any of that bent before, you know, Trump came along and divided everything about our culture, which is just mind-blowing to me. But Larry Hogan sat with us down at the boat yard with Don, and he and Don were going at it. And, you know, 
And, and Don's like, well, you know, it's no big deal. I'm like, well, it's, it's clear you're on the other side of the aisle. He speaks to you differently. But Don asked him, like, what's up with the red line? He said, I ran on killing it. I won. I killed it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That, 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 there should be nothing more to say than that, right? Like, and we had to tip our cap and say, good point. You made a good point, right? And so what's Wes running on in your mind? Like, what, four years from now, you know him, he gets elected, you're involved in your foundation, you're involved in the city. What would it look like here? What would success what would success look like? I mean, I, probably the hardest thing for you in the O'Malley administration. Just say, what, at what point do we get a tip on the, a tap on the back and say we did a good job or that there's progress here that we can all measure, even people in red hats, even people that won't vote for Westmore next month, will say things are better. It's yeah. getting better. Look, I think, again, Republican, Democrat, the vast majority of things people care about, it doesn't matter. They want good schools, they want safe communities, they want opportunity, they want what happens to their kids to be better than what happened to them. And whatever your time when you serve, whether you serve during a recession, whether you serve during COVID, whether you serve during like incredible economic times, you wanna make it a better place than it was before you were there. And I think, you know, what I understand in terms of the things Wes wants to do, you know, he's got this slogan about leave nobody behind. He really, really seems genuinely interested in meeting people where they are, making their lives better, trying to improve the state, investing in public education, higher education, improving relations with places like Baltimore. Um, There's a lot of things that a governor can do to make life better. And from what I understand and what I know of him personally, he seems very committed to all of those things. Matt Gallagher's here. He lives here in the city. We're in Hamden. We're at Union Brewing. I'm almost to the end of my second beverage. I've been here about three and a half hours. I had some delicious Capri skewers. We had some delicious local oysters. Nick came by and even brought some Fu Manchu mustaches. He tried to leave a couple behind uh, so the NFL would sue me instead of him. Uh, (laughs) uh, We're talking some Pearl Jam. Food and crab cakes and beer, and this is your neighborhood, and you come out. Um, you love food. You Big and I time. get at it. And I love beer, too. I mean, I you go to my fridge, you will find Union products when you open the fridge. Well, the Zadies is delicious. I'm having it's a fantastic. black wing right now. Um, these type of things, when you were serving in government, and it was during that precious time when I was kid Hugh Sisson and saying, you were the only one. You were taking the, the arrows, right? And trying to envision what... A tap room with dogs and kids and beer and music and rock and roll and a, a, a craft kitchen over here and a backyard for kids to play. I've been all over the state now. I've been to 38 of these breweries. Mm-hmm. A lot in common, a lot different, but a whole new way of thinking about something you and I have enjoyed since our childhood, yeah. beer, right? Literally. Hey, what Adam and his team have done here is fantastic. They've activated this formerly kind of dormant space. They're a great Baltimore-based company. They've been growing like a weed. They have an unbelievable product. Um, And, you know, this is just, it's a fun place to be. And, like, when when sometimes people talk about the city or, you know, I don't feel comfortable coming into the city, I tell you what, I feel comfortable here. And I'm here a lot. (laughs) If you walked in, they're like, hey, man, I'm like, hey, this must be your neighborhood or whatever. Get a couple restaurants. Give me, I'm always asking for a couple of tips. Now, have you been to Allure yet? Because I've been talking up Alora for a long time, and I, I don't think I've gotten any reports that you've been to Alora yet. No, go ahead. Tell me. So, Alora, 1005 North Charles Street, right in the heart Spell of Mount it. Vernon. A-L-L-O-R-A. Alora. Okay. 
They are a small 20-seat Roman bistro. So traditional Roman dishes, cacio e pepe, you know, and the like. The food is out of this world. Out of, I think it's the best place to eat in Baltimore. I really do. Oh, I'm there all this. the time. Oh, I got to go now. It's BYOB. All right. Um, you I know, know some friends at Union. So Brendan Hudson and his partner David do a fantastic job. Um, it's Tuesday through Sunday. They're open for breakfast. You know, they're open for lunch. And then they do a la carte dinner on Fridays and Saturdays. And then they have a tasting menu, you know, every two to three months. It's like between 85 and 100 bucks. Um, you know, they say five courses, but it ends up being eight. And then you bring in your own beer, wine, whatever you want to drink. See, the it's an unbelievable me, deal. Whenever they do those, those Roman feasts, I'm just not that kind of eater. Like from my, from my, my wife, Look, like this we're is not. not we're not, not talking buffet. Olive Garden. Okay, we're not talking I, Olive Garden here. Okay, <laughs> we are talking. There's no breadsticks on the table. No, I just, okay, I, I just get like. I'm always a celebrity, like food critic guy at at the events where, yeah. like that poor Baltimore Magazine thing where everybody got sick. My wife got sick. Right. I would I would go around and eat one of everything, and I just get I get too full. And it reminds me back when I was fat back in 2006 before I lost 40 pounds that every single night I would go to dinner and I would come home with that, that feeling, that feeling that I ate too much. Now, every night of my life at home, and I, I've kept the weight off, every night I eat so little that I feel like I need to have an ice cream cone to complete it. <laughs> well, I can't, so, I can't recommend this place enough. And I'm in. In addition to Allura, and it's right around the corner from where we live and where I work, so we're there all the time. They are reopening Vallegia's, the old Little Italy okay, spot. Okay, perfect. So Brendan, it's, I guess his grandfather was like behind Vallegia's. So they're going into Cross Street Market um, on the, I guess it would be the light street end of Cross Street Market across from Ceremony Coffee. Okay. They're going to have... So, so they're in the area that used to be the little supermarket. Exactly. So they're going to have 50 seats. They're going to have a liquor license. Um, and they've been debuting all these dishes at Allura. So, like, the menu comes out usually on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, we're going to Allura Friday night. It's amazing. I ate at Villages on Thanksgiving when I was a kid. My family, when we didn't eat, we would go down there, and I had uh, Dante Libertori on. And mm-hmm. Dante, of the whole Libertori group yep. began as, like, the water kids and, you know, bringing bread to the table at Villages. Yep. And I had Dante, and Dante and I went to high school together. So the, the Villages name still, you know, that corner... Right there on Pratt, man, forever and ever and ever yep. still means something. Yeah. But I can't, I mean, it's like my five-star pick of the, not the day, the week, the month, the year. And this guy it's saw Eddie Vedder the other night, so, you it's know. It's true. I mean, I'm not prone to exaggeration. You can ask around. All right. It's given phenomenal. The, given the fly, this guy right here. So, uh, Matthew Gallagher is our guest. Last time he was on, we had millions of views on our, uh, our, our crab. Oh, people still say to me, I saw you open that crab the time. I've never done it that way. It pops up in my feed, and every time I look at it, I'm like 1.7 million views, 1.8 million views. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Well, have you, did you know about that crab I was technique? completely blown away. As you somebody, crabs your whole life. My like whole me. life. I grew, up in, I grew up in Baltimore. My grandparents lived on the Eastern Shore. I would spend like weeks of the summer at the Eastern Shore eating crabs all the time. I'd catch them. We'd steam them. We'd eat them. So like, you know... I've been to a couple well, of crab Mueller rodeos. Mueller to me, Mueller's like, you're eating them wrong. And I'm like, the hell does he know that I don't know? Yeah. yeah I, I, I know. completely blew my mind. 
Well, it's three and a half years old now, that video uh, from Fadley's. You can go find it. Let's put Nestor Crab video out on Facebook. Uh, Matt has a, a cameo in there uh, as the I mean, Don why Roller. are you underselling me? I mean, like, I give you your biggest moment, I think, on Baltimore's, prom- Baltimore's Positive, and you're like, oh, cameo. Come on. If you were in it too much, you might not have liked it as much. I mean, sometimes little, little's a lot. You, you know? should ask if you think it was really coincidental. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. So. The stars aligned on that 4th of July go. weekend. All right. Matt Gallagher, Gold Sucker Foundation. He gives money to people who need it, uh, tries to help the city out, and uh, also ups local businesses and comes on. And um, Any political bigger picture in regard to Trump being in jail, the, 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 the election, uh, the House, important things, Heather Mazier, Andy Harris, like any of these things that feel a little more in play because of how absurd this particular point in American history has been. Yeah, I mean, again, nonprofit, nonpartisan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just really wish people would be talking more about things that actually matter in people's lives. And everywhere I go and everybody I talk to, a lot of them are really turned off by just the direction and the content and the substance of politics right now. And we got to get more issue focused. We got to get more substantive. We got to talk about outcomes. And there are a lot of things that you can only get done with government. And let's start talking about what those things are. Let's have good, contested discussions and debates about issues and ideas. But like, you know, sending immigrants from one state to another, just the, the absolutely outrageous attacks, you know, personally on people, you know, People got to put their foot down and say, you know, let's make this about substance. Let's make this about resource allocation, equity, fairness, the best ideas, because we just seem to be drifting and getting farther and farther away from that. Gospel. All right, Matt Gallagher, I'll drop the mic on that. My beer's out. We're at Union Brewing. It's all brought to you by our friends at the Maryland Lottery. I got fresh Raven scratch-offs. Thank you, Roz. We're going to be at Cooper's North in Timonium next week. Patrick Russell's going to be joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking about crab cakes, the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Humping restaurant week all week long. Restaurant week. So, I mean, you're an eater. Is there anything better than like, going oh out and getting God, a deal? Fantastic. Everybody's showing off, too. I mean... I always walk down to Tio Pepe's, and Tio Pepe's has an unbelievable restaurant. What? Deal. Oh, yeah. I get a deal at Tio Pepe's. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I got to go do that. I haven't yeah. been to Tio Pepe's in too long. See, I, this is the crab cake tour for me. The whole idea was born by you at Fadley's and Costas and my, and I'm like, I've, there are crab cakes everywhere, and I never get them because... I had a crab cake last month at Fadley's or I had one last week at Costas or, you know, wherever. And that's how the crab cake idea began. But the restaurant week thing is even more so, like, inspired by, well, I haven't been to Tio Pepe's in a while. Maybe this is the week to go. I mean, that's what restaurant week's supposed to do. Absolutely. But, hey, man, you know all crab cakes are not created equal. They're not. I mean, you're going to, you're partial to Fadley's, right? You're just going to, you're going to. No, no, there's other crab cakes I love. Do you? Absolutely. What do you love? Love Coco's, um, love Costa, love, uh, you know, Center Club. Unbelievable crab cake at the Center Club. I've never had one. Everybody tells me it's great. Yeah. Let me, I'll tell you very quickly, the greatest crab cake I ever had. Grew up in the city, you know, had been everywhere. Angelina's, every place that was like famous for crab cakes. I had an Angelina's crab cake last month. Okay. They still make them online. They ship them out of Kent Island. I picked one up. Go ahead. So when I moved back to Baltimore in 2000, there used to be Provident Bank. Okay. Of course. Already sold. Doesn't exist anymore. Provident Bank's headquarters was, I think, on Calvert and Fayette. I had a meeting with the head of Provident Bank. They had a private dining room in the bank. 
and um, this guy, I think his name was Pete. His name was Pete. I forget his last name. Maybe Matthews, but it wasn't. I don't, I don't think it was Matthews. They brought out these crab cakes. They were the greatest crab cakes I've ever had in my life. And I was like, look, Mr. Bank President from Provident, spent my whole life here in Baltimore. I've never had a crab cake like this in my entire life. I was working at the Greater Baltimore Committee. What was it like? Can you describe it to it me? It was huge. It was all jumbo lump. <laughs> there was no filler. It was perfectly broiled. I mean, it was just like, it was heaven. <laughs> and every time I would go back there, you know, when I was working at the Greater Baltimore, could he convene these meetings and he'd take me aside. He'd like, do you want another crab cake? And I'd be like, are you kidding? And he's like, yeah, they're over there. Like, I'm, I'm going to get you a crab cake. And it was like, I mean, this was like for two months. I had a bunch of this meetings 30 there. years ago though, right? This was 30. So you're never going to Well, it was 22 years ago. It was Pete Martin. That was his name. Nicest guy. Great local company. I mean, they have since been sold. But every time I, it's called the Lenora now. You never got the recipe? No. No. I mean, look, I was just in the moment. They were the best (laughs) crab cakes I've ever had in my entire life. Well, people ask me, where's the best one? Just give me the, and I'm like, depends what you like. Yeah. If you like a mustard forward crab cake, Faith is going to be played. If you like a Old Bay forward crab cake, Costas is going to, and there really are different types of crab cakes. The Eastern Shore, the more just out of the water, I mean, Old Salty, Suicide Bridge, the Hobbit Notion City. I've just had some great, great no. crab queen on Liberty Road, Randallstown at Offit. Go get her crab cake. Unbelievable crab cake. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other, like, ones that I had toward the end of the tour. Because once you're on, like, the 26th or 27th day, if you're getting an ordinary crab cake, you're pushing it away. Yeah. Look. You know, my wife would take a bite, and my, my wife, her thumbs down or thumbs sideways is, she'd eat it, and she'd be like, my favorite and that's her new england way of saying yeah look i'm not i'm not saying it's faley's i'm not saying it's coco's but if you're pressed for dinner one night and you're riding home and you pop an eddie's supermarket you get (laughs) you get a couple of those crab cakes to go and then you you get a bag of salad you get home you pop open a nice sauvignon blanc and your your wife comes home and you're like hey i made dinner and you got a couple eddie's crab cakes there I'm not saying you're at Fadley's. I'm not saying you're at Coco's, but you're living. You're not and, at Allura. Well, you're not at Allura, but, um, <laughs> you know, you can't go to Allura every night. Mac Gallagher, one of my favorites from the Gold Secker Foundation, longtime uh, mayor's office as well as the governor's office, trying to make the world a better place. Uh, you can find him out on the Internet. Uh, you don't need any of his politics. You just need his restaurant recommendations and his Pearl Jam reviews as well. All of it brought to you by our friends at Goodwill and our friends at Window Nation. I forgot my hat today. I got lottery tickets. I got restaurant associates. I got wise conversations. I got stuff going on. Big thanks to Adam Benish for coming by, as well as Nick Shulman from the local Oyster. Uh, only a couple of guests, a couple of beers, but more of a deeper dive into sure. this stuff. And uh, we can all agree the Ravens need to sign Lamar, right? Absolutely. Back up go. the truck. Pay that man his money. There you go. I'll be writing about that next week. Uncle Steve will love my my columnists. It's all about to happen. We're uh, we're about to get the new website um, migrated. Bunch of changes happen out there. If you're checking it out. Big week ahead, though. We're going to be at Cooper's next Friday and uh, the Ravens heading back to Foxborough where there have been some happy endings and some not-so-happy endings. Hoping for a more happy ending here and the Ravens get off to a great start against the Dolphins this week. On behalf of the Maryland Lottery, Goodwill, Window Nation, and our friends of the Restaurant Association, my thanks to Matt, Adam, and Nick and everyone who's been really kind to us here today. We're under the bridge on 83. We're at Union Brewing and our friends at Local Oyster signing off. We are WNST AM 1570. Towson, Baltimore. We never stop talking Baltimore. Positive.